let me welcome you. Uh, if, if you just walked in or got here a little bit late this morning after uh, staying up too late watching the Buckeyes, uh, man, let, we, we are embarking uh, today on a new year. Uh, we're about to celebrate and enter into this new decade, like Jeremy said. And uh, of course, at this time of the year, everybody's starting to begin to think about kind of the new year and, and next steps and first steps and perhaps resolutions. Now, I'm not a big resolution fan uh, for a couple of reasons. Now, I, I have learned, and let me help you a little bit, that it's all about the right wording with your resolutions. So, for instance, um, back last year, you know, 2019, my goal, I, I said, my goal is to work out in 2019. And so I worked out two times and reached my goal. I mean, I worked out in 2019, right? So it's all about wording, right? Isn't it funny how we can word things, you know, so that, you know, we make it easy for ourselves or we, we, we set the bar so low because I don't know about you, I'm afraid of failure. In fact, maybe one of the reasons I don't like to set New Year's resolutions is because I don't like to set something and then not accomplish it, right? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't set goals, but our, our culture is driven by success, aren't they? And it, it leaks into our lives. And depending on what our definition of success is, well, it could be a good thing to strive for success or it could be a really dangerous or, or even negative thing, right? Uh, when I think about it, our, our culture so wants success to happen and that often has to do with kind of like the outcomes, Right? It's not about the process or the journey. It's about at the, at the end of the year, like, are we in the black, right? Or, or did we make our sales quota? Or did I get that grade? Or did I arrive at this destination? <clears throat> but what if it's not so much about uh, the outcomes? In fact, I think maybe we need to define success a little bit differently. And I love what Jason Johnson says. He says, our success in life isn't measured by our capacity to produce some certain set of outcomes. Rather, he says, it's determined by our willingness to be faithful to God along the journey. Let me read that again, because this is really, really key to where we're going to be going together this morning. Our success in life isn't measured by our capacity to produce some certain set of outcomes, but rather it's determined by our willingness to be faithful to God along the journey. And so as we've been thinking and praying about this new year, both for us as individuals, for you guys as individuals and families, and for us as a church, the chapel, this is becoming our prayer for this new year, that we would be more concerned about being faithful to God than the outcomes that we produce. You see, we can't always control the outcomes, but we always can choose to be faithful. And that's our prayer, that at the end of next year, when we're gathered like this, that we wouldn't be focused on, well, I did this, and oh, I accomplished that, and this was a success in my life, but that every single one of us would be able to say, all I know is, I was faithful to God each day. I was faithful. 
I think this is the heartbeat of Jesus. I think this is what Jesus longs uh, for us to realize and to help redefine success uh, in our lives and even as we go into the new year. And the reason I say it is because of the things that he said and taught. I want us to go to a passage in Matthew chapter 25. And let me set the context a little bit. This is only a couple days before Jesus is going to be arrested and, and crucified and buried and then rise again. And Jesus is, in, in Matthew chapter 25, uh, telling the people about the future, giving people pictures of what God's kingdom really looks like and what it will look like when it ultimately comes. And what we find in Matthew chapter 25, we call it the Olivet Discourse. It's this, this teaching about the future. And again, Jesus is giving um, stories or parables to illustrate this. A, story, a parable is simply a story that's meant to illustrate an important spiritual truth or lesson. And so Jesus is wanting his hearers to learn and understand something about being faithful. So I just want to read the passage, uh, and then we'll stop along the, along the way to see what we can learn from what Jesus is saying. It says, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story. Okay? Again, this is a parable. It's a story that he's telling to illustrate something. He says, the story of a man who was going on a long trip. And so he called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in a proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. Now the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. And the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned Two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So, first of all, these verses uh, show us, first and foremost, what the master gives. So, let's go back to that. What did the master give? It says, He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Now, this was a very, very significant amount of money. Depending on the version of the Bible that you're using, some of them will say bags of gold. Some of them will say he gave five talents. Now, a talent was a sum of money. And in that day, what this would have represented would have been thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of dollars. This was not a little bag of pocket change. This, this represented the master's entire sum of wealth. Now, this says something also about the servants. You know, when we think servant, we think slave. But in, again, we've talked about this from this stage. In New Testament times, uh, slaves were highly valued and oftentimes highly regarded, highly trusted people. They were given significant roles and responsibilities within a family. And here we see this master, this very wealthy master, 
and he's about to go on a trip, and so he gives his servants his resources, all of his money. Now, it says that he gave one five, one two, and one one, different amounts, and it says each according to the uh, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Now, I, I don't know about you, but like if I'm one of the servants and the guy in front of me gets five and I'm down the row, you know, and then I get one, I'm going, hey, wait a second, that seems unfair, right? And yet it says that this master uh, divided up according to their ability. It's kind of like, um, okay, yesterday, both of my daughters, one of them is in college, the other one is a senior in high school, they drove to Indiana by themselves to go visit some friends. Now, when Gracie first turned 16, I remember when I would not let her drive on any big roads, right? Or I wouldn't let, I remember when Lainey got her license, uh, it was in December, it was snowy weather, I wouldn't let her drive if it was snowy outside, right? And, and, you know, I, now I'm letting them go drive all the way to Indiana by themselves, but it's because I know their ability, right? Time has proven what they're able to do. They're trustworthy. They know how to handle themselves. They know how to take care of themselves. It's kind of like, you know, if, if your two-year-old has a bag of permanent markers and they want to go play in the living room, you don't let them have those, right? But now you're 10 or you're 12-year-old, they're saying, Mom, can I use the markers? Yeah, go ahead, right? Well, maybe not, depending on, you, depending on the kid, right? Depending on their ability, right? Or their trustworthiness. So when this master gives out five bags of silver and then three bags of silver and then one bag of silver to the last servant, he's not being unfair, he just knew what they were capable of and what they could be trustworthy with. And the same goes in our lives. All of us are at different places in our journey. And God gives a variety of us different abilities, different talents, different resources. And it'd be easy for me to look at certain people and be like, oh man, I wish I was them. I wish I had what they had. Or I wish, you know, why, why don't I get to do that? But this is where trust comes in, trusting that our master really does know best. And so this is what the master gives to his servants. But this passage also describes what the servants do with what the master gave them, right? We, we read on it. it. says, the servant that received the five bags, what did he do with those five bags? He began to invest the money and he earned five more. And then the servant with two bags of silver also went to work, probably not meaning um, he went and worked and earned more money, but he used the money that the master had gave him, and he put the money to work, probably by lending it, just like the first servant, investing it, uh, and he earned two more. So this is what the first two servants do with their money of their master. They invest it. They use it. Now, in this day, uh, remember, these were large sums of money. Not a lot of common people had that amount of resources. Remember, this was a very wealthy master. 
And because not very many people had that much actual money, like silver, okay, they might have had many flocks of, and herds and, and all this, but not a lot of people had these kind of resources. And so if you had these kinds of resources and you loaned them to other people, honestly, it was very easy to get a very good return because people would pay a high interest rate because it was hard to get your hands on that kind of resources. So when it says that these first two uh, servants invested the money, that's what they were doing. And honestly, uh, I mean, they, they earned a significant increase, right? They doubled what the master had given them. That honestly was not very uncommon. If you just did what you knew you should do, if you just were faithful, there would be a good return on your investment. And that's what the first two servants did. But then what, was, what did the, the last servant do with the money? The one bag of silver that he received, it says he dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. Now, there could be a number of reasons for this. Uh, perhaps Perhaps he, uh, you know, perhaps he just thought, well, I don't know what kind of investment. You know, the, the, the market's really up and down, you know. I don't want to lose some of my master's money. And so I'm just going to hold tight with it. At least that way when he returns, he'll get the same amount that he left me with, right? Um, perhaps it was selfishly motivated. Uh, some Bible commentators believe that this third servant, perhaps because he didn't know when his master was going to leave and when his master was going to ultimately come back, or perhaps even if he would ever come back, perhaps he just buried it in a hole in the ground so that if something happened to his master, there would be no record of this money. I mean, when, when, you, when you invest it, there's going to be a, a trail, a paper trail, right? And, and people are going to know, well, that was, that was invested. It was loaned out to so-and-so, by so-and-so, on behalf of so-and-so. And by bearing it, it was just between him and the master. And if the master never returned, hey, my money. We'll see a little bit more of the heartbeat of this third servant, and perhaps some of what he was thinking or feeling in just a moment. But notice the, the master gives generously to all three according to their ability, and to invest, to use it, to are faithful with it. But the third servant simply buries it. Okay? Now, let's see what happens when the master returns. It says, after a long time, and it would have been a long time. Remember, people in this day, they traveled by foot. And so if he was going on a long journey, it could be a very long journey. And depending on, you know, weather and all the different variants of things that could have happened, you didn't know for certain when. In fact, in that day, it wasn't like, you know, today, you know, you book your ticket online and like, okay, my arrival is this time and my, my departure is this date and then we'll be back on this date. No, that's, not, that's just not how it worked. You didn't leave and say, oh, I'll be back on Thursday. You said, I'll be back later, sometime, hopefully within the next couple weeks, perhaps even in the next month or two. And so it says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account on how they had used 
the money. It says, The servant with whom he had trusted the five bags of silver, he comes forward with five more. And look at what he said. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master, it says, was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Notice it doesn't say, uh, well done, my good and successful servant. Remember, our prayer is that we'd be more focused on our faithfulness to Jesus than on the outcomes that we produce. And this is what this, is what this master honors and rewards. Not simple success, but faithfulness, right? He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received the two bags of silver, he came forward and and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master again said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You see the end game of all this. It says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid that I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. So in this passage, now we see how the master responds, right? How the master responds. And he responds to the first two servants in the same way, almost the same exact wording. He says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not my good and successful servant, my good and and faithful servant. What was it? He was faithful because they they used what the master had given them. They invested it. They did something good with it, right? So he says, you've been faithful in handling this small amount, which is so interesting. Remember, I said this was like a lot of money. He's talking to the, these are the, the words to the first servant that he gave five bags of silver. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the master says, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. It must have been like Donald Trump, you know, like, oh, that's nothing, you know. <laughs> I don't know. He was a wealthy, wealthy man. And he calls the amount that he had given this first servant a small amount. He says, so now I'm going to give you even more responsibility. And he says, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Celebrate what? Celebrate your faithfulness. That's what he did with the first two servants, but that third servant, the one that, remember the one that said he was kind of fearful and he, 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 he knew that the master was a harsh man? How did, how did he respond? What did, what did the master say to him? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Wow, strong words, strong language here for a guy that just buried it and still showed up with what his master had left him with. Why was the master so upset? Because he wasn't faithful with it. 
He just hid it. Kept it for himself. Didn't do anything. It wasn't necessarily about the amount. It was the fact that he hadn't done anything with it at all. In fact, he goes on to say, at least you could have just put it in the bank and it would have gotten, you know, your 0.0123% or something, right? That's what he's saying. So these verses, we see how the master responds and we also see what these servants were actually concerned about. I mean, what was it that was driving these three different servants? Was it Servants, was it, was it uh, their outcomes? Was it the, the production model? Was it the success? What was it? I think the first two servants, they were concerned about being faithful, about being faithful to the master that they loved. Remember when they, when they went to the master and they presented? The one said, Master, you gave me five bags. Look, look, I've earned five more. There was like this excitement, this anticipation, this pride between he and his master, look, look, I did something with what you gave me and it earned even more. Here it is. Because they loved their master. Because they wanted to please their master. They wanted to honor their master. They wanted to, to be faithful to him and they were. Both, both of the first uh, servants, that was their story. But the third servant, the third servant was only concerned about the outcome that was produced. Remember, he was living in fear. In fact, I would say the third servant was mostly concerned about himself. He, he was worried, and if there was an outcome, the outcome that he was most concerned about was what the master was going to do. And it had a lot to do with his view of the master. Remember what he said to the master? He said, I knew that you were a harsh man. The other guys didn't say anything about this. The other guys, they were just grateful and, and excited to, to share with their master what they had done with what he had so graciously given them. But this third servant has a completely different view of the master. See, our view of our master affects how we live our everyday life. And this third servant, he was only concerned with himself and the outcome. Remember, our prayer is that we would be more concerned with our faithfulness to Jesus than the outcomes that we produce. It changes everything, guys. And so what does this mean for us? What does this story really have to say? Remember, a parable is a story meant to help us learn something, a spiritual truth, something significant, a life lesson, and I think there are a few. Number one, Jesus has given us much. Just like he gave his servants, the master gave the servants much, Jesus has given us much. He's given us time. He's given us family. He's given us friendships. He's given us work opportunities. He's given us uh, talents and abilities, and he's given us resources He's given us much, just like this master in the story has given the three servants. Secondly, as Jesus' servants, we are really his stewards. Why? Because a steward takes what the master gives them and then uses it wisely. 
invests it, takes care of what the master has given them. And that's you and I. We are stewards of all the resources that God gives us. Our jobs, our families, our friendships, uh, our, our abilities, our talents, our resources. I love what 1 Peter 2 verse 16 says. Uh, Peter says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, he says, living as people who are free... And then at the end, he says, living as servants of God. And we don't often equate those two things, do we? Like, if we're having to serve somebody, that, uh, then I ain't free. I mean, if I'm free, I'm free, right? And yet, Peter is trying to help believers in Christ understand them that, that when we place ourselves under our master, Jesus, and become servants of him, we're really stewards and the end result of being under Jesus is true freedom. True freedom, not living in fear like that third servant, but living in freedom, investing and using whatever it is that God gives us, being faithful to him. And that's all that Jesus wants. He just wants faithfulness. I remember um, in a previous church that I was serving in, I had been there for eight years the first uh, six or seven years were incredible. The last year was really, really hard. The church was starting to implode. There were some, some wrong things happening within some of the leadership. My wife Lisa was saying, Todd, it's time to go. This is not a good situation. It's not a healthy situation for you. It's not a healthy situation for our family. And I kept telling her, I can't go yet. I, Maybe it'll change. Maybe something will happen. You know, we get, we got to make sure we do our part. And I was so torn up inside. And I, went, I remember calling one of my good friends. His name is Dan Bishop. He's a mentor to me. And I would, I would share what was going on, and, and I just said, Dan, what do I do? You know, I'm kind of waiting for, like, you know, a strategic next step, something, some, some specific thing. And Dan just said, Todd, two words. Be faithful. He said, that's all that you can do. You can't control the situation. You can't change the situation. Just be faithful. You guys, when there's nothing else that we can do, when, when things are out of control, when we don't know what we ought to do, we know what we ought to do. We, we can't become overwhelmed with the outcomes or the end results, but what we can focus on is day by day, moment by moment, just being faithful. This is what Jesus wants. It's, it's what the master in this story honors and rewards the servants for. Remember, he says, hey, you've been faithful with, with these things. I'm going to give you even more responsibilities, more resources, because of why? Because you've been faithful. And, and then he says, let's go celebrate. The master wanted to celebrate. Why? Because they were successful? No, because they were faithful. This is what Jesus wants. And finally, listen, guys, if we focus on faithfulness, in the end, there will be fruitfulness. But too many times in life, in our goals, in our strategies, in, you know, in our resolutions, it's all focused on a specific outcome. And if we don't reach that outcome, then we feel like utter failures, right? And when we focus on the 
on the outcome, oftentimes we'll forget the daily faithfulness. But if we focus on the faithfulness, the fruitfulness, I believe, will eventually come. Because the fruitfulness, that, that's in God's hands. But the faithfulness, that's what we seek his help for. And so how can we be faithful together as we walk into 2020? Here at the chapel, we live by five core values. I don't think they're just good core values for our church. They're, they're core values for every single one of us, especially for those of us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. This is what faithfulness really looks like. It looks like depending on God and his word. Listen, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how he's going to answer our prayers, but our part is being faithful in depending on him and living a prayerful life of dependence on God. God's not going to say, oh, well, you know, that didn't happen because you didn't, you know, because, you know I, I, I just, he's, he's going he's gonna to look at us and go, were you faithful? Did you faithfully seek me and depend upon me? We can faith, be faithful by loving people. When we love other people, we're, we're being faithful. We're, we're valuing other people. It doesn't mean that the results will always work out like we want them to or that the other pers- people or persons will respond the way that we hope they will. Because guess what? People are people. I always say, at the end of the day, people do what people will do. So we can't control that. But we can be faithful. We can love people. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. And we can be authentic. That is, not put on a, a show or not live a facade or be hypocritical. We always say we're real people in process here. And so we can be honest about the process going on in our life, honest about where we're really at. This is what faithfulness looks like. It's not being fake. It's being real and honest and transparent. And, and, and not, not settling for where we are, continuing to move forward. But faithfulness means honesty and transparency. I, one person has said, hey, listen, people might be attracted to your, to your ability, but they will resonate with your reality, with your weaknesses. Fourth value, stay, uh, stay relevant. Just, you know, I'm, I know that I'm not going to always be the coolest kid on the block. <laughs> that coolness went out a long time ago. But we can still study our world and try to better understand our culture and people so that we can engage the culture for Christ. That's what it means to be faithful. It doesn't mean to run away from culture or hide in some little Christian bubble. It, it means staying true to Jesus and faithfully walking into our world, into the messes, and living for him. And finally, live generously. If we want to be faithful, just do like the servants did, the first two servants. Take whatever it is that God has given us, and he's given us so much, and share it, and invest it, and invest it in what matters most. Invest our lives in people. Invest our lives in this incredible mission that God has given us to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. This is what faithfulness looks like. I don't know about you, but at, at the end of 2020 or at the end of my life, whichever comes first, 
I want to hear those words from my master, Jesus himself, saying, well done, Todd. Not my good and successful ser servant. Not my servant who, oh, man, you helped start a couple of churches and, man, you know, lots of people came and you had lots of great programs. No. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Todd, you were faithful to me. You served me. You did what I asked you to do. You used whatever I gave you for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. And so this is our prayer for all of us as we enter 2020 together, that we would be more concerned about being faithful to God than the outcomes that we produce. We can't control the outcomes, but we can step in to what it means to live faithfully. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that even when we are faithless, you are faithful still. And Jesus, we pray because we know the heart of our master that you are not harsh, that you are not angry, that you are not hard, but that you lovingly share all good things with us. Now help us to use what you've given us faithfully as we enter this new year. In Jesus' name.